0: So I have a question for you. As we begin the message today, it's gonna, it's gonna be a little bit different. We're gonna have a couple of moving parts to the message today, but I'll, I wanna ask you a question. I really want you to wrestle with this. I don't want you to hear this question and, and just uh, think I'm asking somebody sitting beside you. I'm, I'm asking you to really think about this for yourself and be honest with yourself. Would you say right now that you would define your life as thriving? Right now, I feel like I'm hitting all cylinders, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming everything the Lord called me to be, I'm realizing my full potential, and I'm just, like right now, my life feels like it's overflowing, it's abundant. Would you say that's how you would define yourself? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything, uh, because I, I have a, a hunch, a feeling, that if you were being honest with yourself, and you were saying, okay, I'm, I'm either thriving or I'm not, that about 90% of you would say, nope. That's not me. I'm I'm not thriving. I'm not not overflowing right now. I don't think the majority of you would say my life is in total shambles. I think you would just say, like, there's just a few things in my life, if they were to change, then I know I would be doing a whole lot better. And and I'm I'm making that number up. They say 85% of all statistics are made up on the spot. And so uh, it's (laughs) it's true. That'll hit some of you later. Uh, But I I don't know if it's 90% or not, but I, I have this general sense that most of you feel like, I think think it could be even better. I think there could be a little bit more for me if just a few things were different in my life right now. And so assuming my 90% statistic is correct, then I want you to answer the question, what would need to change in your life for you to feel like you could really be thriving? Because the Lord wants you to, to have life abundant, it says. An overflowing cup. So what would it take for you to have that abundant, overflowing, rich thriving life for some of you you're going if if I could just hit a reset button on this body of mine everything would be better because it's slowly falling apart last year when my hamstring got uh, severed from my hip bone I felt that way I'm laid up in bed after surgery missing everything and I'm going God if I could just reset if I could go back to that dumb wiffle ball game and never step on that mud and rip my hamstring off I'd be a whole lot better off this body of mine is falling apart and I don't like it. If I could just reset brand new body, everything would be better off. There are some of you, you're tired of being sick and exhausted and overwhelmed and hurt. And you just, if you could get a new body, everything would be better for you. Some of you, you're sitting next to the problem right now. Don't look at them, look at me, don't look at them. <laughs> but you're you're going, no, I don't need a new spouse. I just I need them to be fixed. That's all. You know, just Just some problems, you know, if if God would just fix them, they have this problem and this issue, if they could just get a little bit better, then I know my life would be so much better. And so if if God could just fix them, all of them, everything would be better. Some of you are going, look, man, if if I could just get a little more money right now, i I'm tired of at the end of every single month just wondering how I'm going to pay all the bills, and I I got to stretch out this impossible amount of money to cover because everything is getting more expensive right now. And I go to the store and I come back shocked at how much money I spent. I'm not getting paid anymore, and I, I don't know how I'm going to make ends. If I could just get a little bit more, I could I could ease some of that tension. My life could be so much better. I could have a few things that I need, and I really feel like I could be thriving. Some of you are going, if I could just get that new job or if God could get rid of that boss that's so toxic and, that, and give me a new boss who could actually care for me and lead me well, then my life would be so much better off. You have all these different things. Some of you are going, if I could just get an extra two or three hours a day, that would be amazing. I mean, even if, if I could just survive on less sleep or God would multiply the day make it 27 hours a day, that would be amazing. I just can't get done what I need to get done. I need more time. So, so what would be your circumstance that would need to change? So if you're being honest with yourself, hopefully you're locating what you think that is. And whenever you have that locked in your mind, here's what I'm going to tell you. You're dead wrong. That's not what you need. You don't need a new body. You don't need a new bank account. You don't need a new bay. You don't need a new anything else. What you need is something called the shalom of God. The peace of God. What you most need to thrive, to, to have abundant life, is the peace of God that surpasses all of your circumstances. That's not even contingent upon your circumstances. And it's the one thing most missing in our society today. And sadly, it's one of the things most missing among the people of God. And today, what I want to teach you is how to recapture the shalom of God, the abundant, overflowing life of God. And we're going to learn it in one of the most famous psalms of all, Psalm 23. I want you to open your Bible, if you will, Old Testament. If you're not that familiar, it's almost smack dab in the middle of your Bible. The book of the Psalms, there's a whole bunch of them. Go to the 23rd Psalm. If you have any of the Psalms memorized, my guess is it's probably this Psalm. Uh, many of you have not memorized in, in the King James Version because that's how you learned it growing up. Very famous Psalm. I'm going to read it for you in the English Standard Version. And I want you to hear what it has to say. And I want you, as you read this familiar Psalm, to think about it in the context of Shalom peace of God here's what it says Psalm 23 beginning in verse 1 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I shall fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What you just read right there with me. That's that's the abundant overflowing life. This sense of incredible shalom, peace of God. The imagery used there is so powerful. If, If you go back to the beginning. He talks about making me lie down in green pastures and beside still waters. In my mind, that just conjures up this image of total serenity. If any of you, how many of you in here got kids? Raise your hand if you have kids. How many of you have young kids still at home like you're still caring for? So if you got kids at home, serenity means they're doing something else and you get to be by yourself, just looking out over. I just got back from the beach. And it was awesome. It was great. But if you've got six kids like I do at the beach, where any one of them could die at any moment in the water, it's beautiful, but it's not necessarily serene. What he's talking about here is just serenity. Like it's just peaceful. It's it's my wife and I going in the at in the evening time, just sitting there looking out at the beach while the kids are back at the house. You know, that's I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. But the my wife just laughed right there. We love our kids. I promise. But the serenity is just this peace. There's no responsibility. There's nothing weighing us down and just looking out over green pastures and still waters. And when you hear the word peace, typically that's what comes to mind. This, this serenity, this calmness. But there's actually so much more to peace, to shalom. Uh, another part of shalom is a complete absence of anxiety or fear. It talks about in the psalm that even when I have my enemies, I'm not afraid. That the Lord, he sets a table in the presence of my enemies. Here comes my enemy, and I'm kicked back, eating my food. I'm not even worried about my enemy. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is nothing that produces more fear and anxiety in humanity than the thought of death and what comes next, death of somebody we love or our own death. And he says, even in the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because I know my God is with me. I will fear no evil whatsoever. This is this idea, this concept of being so at peace Nothing rattles my cage. Nothing disrupts my mind. I'm not afraid. I'm not anxious. But there's there's something even greater, I think, than serenity and absence of anxiety. It's a complete satisfaction in the Lord. That first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Could you imagine being in a position where you had no wants whatsoever? Totally satisfied. You don't need another thing. You you don't need anything from God or from somebody else. You're just sitting back going, I have everything I need. For some of us, man, that's a dream come true because we live in a constant longing for more, a need for more. Everything feels unsettled, but to really have shalom is to be so satisfied in God, you're saying, "I, I don't need anything else, God. That's the peace that he's offering us. Serenity, absence of anxiety, complete satisfaction in Almighty God. And this psalm even tells us where it comes from. It doesn't come from a change of circumstances. It comes from the presence of Almighty God. Did you notice what it said? Back in verse 4, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He moves on. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The presence of God is what drowns out all of your fear and anxiety. Look, look at verse 6 again. I want you to go back to verse 6 because it's such a powerful truth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The goodness and mercy of God come to us when we dwell in the house of the Lord. What's the house of the Lord? That was the presence of God. you got to think like an Old Testament thinker. The the tabernacle and then the temple, the house of God, that's where the, the Shekinah glory of God was, and you go into the presence of God, and that's when you have no more fear, no more want. Goodness and mercy of God is with you. So if you want the goodness and mercy of God, if you want the shalom of God, you don't have to go to a place, you go to a person. That person is Jesus Christ because he is the shepherd, the good shepherd. In fact, I love the way he alluded to this. I want you to keep your place in Psalm 23, but I want you to flip over to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. We read this passage three weeks ago. I want to come back to it one last time. John 10, verse 9. Jesus is talking and listen to how he brings up some of the same imagery of Psalm 23. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This idea of a sheep safely going out to find pasture because the good shepherd is right there watching over and protecting and saving that person. The very next verse is when he says, there's a thief who's out to destroy you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying, I'm the means of life. And all you got to do is come to me and be with me. And when you're with me, you get all of my shalom. Look, here's what I want you to understand. Everything you need is found at the feet of Jesus. There's a story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. I talk about this at our prayer gatherings from time to time. But in the story of Mary and Martha, they're, they're with Jesus and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha is busy getting everything ready and working so hard and she's upset. She goes to Jesus and says, tell my, my lazy sister to get up and help me. And Jesus says, Martha, no. Mary's chosen the good portion. She's sitting at my feet. And the reason Jesus said that to Martha was to call Martha to come to his feet too. Because he knew all the peace of God was found sitting at the feet of the good Shepherd. He's the door. He's the means by which we find the green pastures, the still waters, where anxiety is gone and we have no more want. As long as you sit at the feet of Jesus, you will have everything that you need. But that right there is your problem. You're prone to wander. You know that song? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's, that's you. That's me. Prone to wander. I can feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Think about that. It's not that you don't love God. You do love him. You want to be with him, but you can't even see it happening. You're starting to wander away from him, and you're leaving the God that you love. And every time you leave him, you miss the shalom, the peace of God. And that's why your life is not overflowing and abundant, because you need to be next to God, and you're wandering away from him. And what you need are two beautiful instruments that this scripture talks about. You need a rod and a staff. I want you to go back to verse 4 real quick, the second half of the verse. He says back in Psalm 23, verse 4, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So let me me go ahead and tell you, um, I'm just curious, are any of you in here, professional shepherds, like in tending real sheep, like you have real sheep and a ranch, like any of you? Okay, I didn't didn't think so. Uh, I'm not either, which means uh, we don't really understand the whole idea of a rod and a staff. I learned so much about those instruments in studying for this particular passage of scripture because I wanted to teach you about what it means for us to need a rod and a staff. To say your rod and your staff, they comfort me is profound. If you and I could just understand what the rod and the staff mean. And so I want to teach you what those things mean. But I actually, I want to teach you in an unusual way. So today we're going to have a commissioning of nine people who have been trained up and who are ready to take on the role of a shepherd. But I want to teach them specifically what they're signing up for to make sure that when they commit before you to be a shepherd, they know fully what that is. And so if you are one of the nine people who is scheduled to be commissioned in this service, I'm gonna invite you to come on up here with me. We got nine chairs, uh, and they're gonna make their way up here right now. And so you guys just come on up here and grab a seat on one of these, and somebody's gotta sit front row, so please, somebody to be bold, come up here. Now, while they're making their way up here, here's what I wanna to say to you. Uh, it's gonna be easy for you to uh, check out because I'm gonna be talking to them more than I'm talking to you. Uh, have you, uh, I'm, I'm sure, How many of you have been to a wedding before? Raise your hand if you've been to a wedding. Okay, most of you. If you've been to a wedding, you know how they work. Like the pastor talks to the bride and groom. He's not really talking to the witnesses that are there. You're just there to support the bride and groom and to watch what's happening. But it's an important role that you play as witnesses. But the pastor is talking to bride and groom. Well, that's what's going to be happening right here. I'm going to be talking to you guys. And they're going to be witnesses. They're going to be listening to me talk to you. Because they, they need to know what you're committing to. So there are two reasons why you need to stay connected. First reason is you need to hold them accountable to what they're about to commit to. You're you're witnesses to say, hey, Chris, you told me that you would do this, 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 and this. I'm holding you accountable to shepherd me the way that you agreed to. So you need to know what they're agreeing to. But the second reason, and this is very important, there may be some of you who in a few months need to be up here on this stage being commissioned as well as shepherds. You need to be some of you saying yes to God's call and you need to understand what the call is. So you're going to take some notes as we go through this. There's going to be four points I'm going to make. I didn't give you guys pen and paper, so you're just going to have to memorize everything I say on the spot and there will be a test later, so be ready for it. But I want to teach you guys while with them watching on what it means for you to wield the rod and the staff. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But you like me, we're not, we're not shepherds by training, so we don't fully understand what that is. So I'm going to teach What that is so you fully understand. So I got right here a a staff, like a a more traditional staff with a shepherd's crook on it. And this is an incredibly important tool that shepherds used. Had probably about five or six different functions. I'm only going to go with two of them that I think are the most important for you all to understand, to know your role, what you're signing up for. Remember, they are going to be witnesses of you guys saying yes to this. Uh, But we need a little role play. Chris, you're front center. Uh, You know, it's the worst thing ever to stand front center, but you were both. So Uh, You're gonna you're gonna be the shepherd, and I'm gonna be the sheep, and you're gonna have to be gentle with me uh, because it's gonna be real precarious here in a moment. But uh, so let me let me tell you how sheep worked. Sheep were pretty dumb creatures, and I'm not calling y'all dumb, just just so you know, just some biblical sheep. You know they're just dumb. So what they would do is sheep would get on you know their their hands, they had their four legs down, and they would put their face down and they would eat, and they would eat for like hours and hours and hours on end. And what they would do is they would eat eat their little patch of grass. And when they were done, they would look. Oh, there's another patch of grass. And... Oh, oh, another patch. And just for hours and hours and hours, they're just eating and they never even look up. And so there's a shepherd, my brother Chris over here, who sees me wandering away and he knows that, that dumb sheep isn't looking up. So he comes over to me and he brings that shepherd's crook on that staff and he gently puts it around my neck gently and lifts my head to see that I'm wandering away. And so, okay, now I'm up, all right. And what he's doing is he's trying to show me that I'm wandering away to see how far away I am from the sheep. Now, this time you're going to come over the top. And what's going to happen, though, every once in a while, a sheep would look up and freeze because they realize, I don't know where I am. And he would just stay there and they're dumb. They're just just standing there. And so what the shepherd would do, go ahead and flip it this way. You're going to come and you're going to gently... Gently turn my head back to the flock and oh, oh, okay. Now I see what's going on and he's directing me back to the flock. Okay, Chris, thank you, brother. You were very gentle. I appreciate that. So here's the first point I want you to understand. This tool, the staff was a tool of direction. The sheep had a tendency to wander all over the place and you could actually lead an entire flock with one staff. Because what would happen is one sheep would start wandering off and another one would go behind it and another one would go behind it. And if you would just walk up to the lead sheep and you gently bring it back, all the rest of them will follow back with it. And you could steer a whole flock with one staff. Now here's why I want you to understand that. I want you to look out for a moment. I want you to see all those beautiful sheep, the people of God. Let me tell you a little secret about them. They're prone to wander and leave the God they love. And they don't mean to. It's kind of like, you know, and we do this too. You're on your cell phone. You're like, mm, 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 mm. you look up, you're standing in the middle of the street. You don't even know how you got there. You're in the wrong parking lot because you were just looking down on your phone. Like this happens all the time. This is what sheep do. We, we just get about our business and we're just moving. So they, they're going to be living their life. They're in the grind. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to provide for their kids. They're trying to do life well. And before long, they don't even realize they have walked away from what, what verse 3 talks about, the path of righteousness, there's a right pathway for them to follow that's very narrow that few find. There's this broad pathway to destruction and your job as shepherds is to keep directing them back to the path of righteousness. Oh, no, no, there's that one. Let me bring them back over. Which means however many of those sheep the Lord puts in your care, you've got to know where they are spiritually. You've got to keep an eye on them. You've got to see them wandering and in love, you're not, you're not pounding them on the head with this. You're just gently bringing them back. You're calling them up, hey, Hey, brother, I just noticed I hadn't seen you in a while. I just want to check in. How are you doing? You're directing them back. You're saying, man, have you been praying about that? I want you to pray. You're lifting their head back up so they can see where they are. You've been given an assignment to direct your sheep. Staff reminds you it's a tool of direction. But this also had a second function. I want you all to write this down, too, as you're taking notes. This was also a tool of extraction. The staff was a tool of extraction. And this is I'm not going to have you do this because it would hurt this time. But another thing that you need to know about sheep, sheep are dumb, and they're so dumb that they would stick their heads in a really small hole and think their whole body would fit just because their head fit in. I have a dog like that too. Some of you have a dog. It's just they're beautiful, but they think that their whole body is right here. So they'll stick their head in and not realize there's a body behind. Well, sheep are big, fluffy creatures with small little heads and their ears sticking up. So they would go into like a cleft in a, a rock or even a crack in the ground, and they're going looking for something. They'll stick their head in there and think their body can go through and their shoulders will stop them. But then their ears get lodged in and they can't, they can't pull their head out. And literally, sheep will die within a day of dehydration and all it'll do is sit there, nah. and it won't even try to pull its head out. Try one time and go, up, oh, I'm stuck, guess I'm gonna die. And your job is to constantly be counting your sheep. That's where the expression comes from. Count your sheep one by one. You constantly count your sheep to see if any are missing. And the moment you discover one's missing, you go searching for them. So, again, I just mentioned I was recently at the beach. I got six kids. Some of them are young. You want to know what my wife and I did over and over and over and over? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. Uh Uh-oh. Where are they at? Oh, Jovi's over there. Go get her. Max is taking a walk. Bring them back. Constantly counting because I got to know where they are. Well, you've got to do that same thing. God is going to entrust some of those sheep into your care. And however many he entrusts to you, You've got to count them over and over and over again. And the moment you see one missing, you realize they may be in trouble. And that's where the staff is a reminder of the tool of extraction. So that that sheep has got its head stuck in the ground over there, and it's just sitting there bleating and it can't get out. What you do, this, this staff was designed for you to be able to slip it beside it, turn it, wrap it around its neck, and then you would jerk hard. And it would hurt the sheep. It would come under its neck, but it would pull its head out, and that sheep would be free. And this is why you've got to remember that your job from time to time will be looking out for those sheep. And when you see that they're stuck, when you see they're in a pattern of destruction, you go over there. You wrap your arms around them and you bring them back. You go hunting for them. You don't wait for them to come find you. You go find them. And there are going to be times when you're going to find them in a trap where they're broken, where they've hurt themselves. And it's their own doing. And you're going to have to come in and you're going to have to pull them out. And you may hurt them in the process, but your job is to save them, rescue them. This staff reminds you that you're called to extract your sheep from any problems they may have. That's a staff. But it didn't want just a staff. There were two tools. It said your rod and your staff, they come from me. Now, the rod, I don't know if you guys know this. I didn't actually know this. Uh, Went through all seminary, never taught this. It's a totally different tool. The rod actually looked more like this. So um, it looks like a club with like a, a rounded hard end on the side. And this was, this, they would keep it kind of lapped in under their, their big old robes and they'd have their staff they're walking with. But this tool had a completely different set of functions. But they're important for you as you think about what the, the good shepherd is calling you to do. Two functions I want to point out to you. First one, the rod was a tool of protection. Interesting, a skilled shepherd could get this Because of the weighted side, and he could grab it with one arm, and he could hurl it like this, and because of the weight, it would fly and land. And a skilled shepherd could, with incredible accuracy, throw it 30 to 40 yards away to protect. So he sees one of his sheep wandering off, and he sees a lion in the distance. And what does he do? Pulls out this. He hurls it that direction to try to hit that lion, or at least get close to it to scare it off, to realize there's something protecting that sheep. But let me also tell you, the, the most important way this was used was not by throwing it, because you couldn't guarantee you would hit the lion. It was by coming up close, and that shepherd would see that wolf attacking that sheep. And without any fear, he would run toward that danger, and he would get this club out and he would start beating the wolf over and over and over again, until that wolf finally let go of that sheep. This is close. I have to be close to danger. Even when there was a lion that would be close by, I'd have to get close enough to come and clobber that lion, knowing it could turn and attack me. But I have to protect the sheep. This right here is one of the most dangerous things you will agree to, to war on behalf of your sheep. I want you to look out over them again. I want you to see them. I want you to tell you, I want to tell you something about these precious people. Every single one of them is made in the image of Almighty God, and they have infinite worth and they have an enemy who hates their guts. There's an enemy right now who wants to steal, kill, and destroy every single one of them. He is prowling around like a roaring lion right now because he wants to devour them. And he's called shepherds to come up and to be willing to fight for them. And sometimes that fight means you enter into spiritual warfare where you pray for them, where you enter combat for them. And let me tell you about spiritual warfare. You are making yourself a target. You are entering in to say I'm warring against the demonic forces on behalf of the sheep the Lord has given me and I know that means the enemy's going to come after me and I'm willing to take it. I'm putting my way, I'm putting myself in a harm's way because I'm called to protect them. That's what shepherds do. They protect the sheep. This rod is a reminder of a tool of protection. But the worst one of all was actually the fourth one. This rod is also a tool of correction. I want y'all to write that last one down in case the Lord calls you to this. The rod was a tool of correction. The worst part about being a shepherd would be every once in a while you had to take this rod out. And you weren't beating a wolf or a lion with it. Every once in a while you had to beat your own sheep with it. This would happen when one of the sheep would be wandering off. And it was obstinate. And you started with your staff. I mean, you got the staff up. You, you try to, Chris, come up there and gently use it to pull him, but he's bah, bah, fighting against you, won't come. You're trying to gently bring him down and he won't listen. And you know he's about to leave the safety of the folder. There's a cliff over there. He's going to walk right off of it because he's so dumb. He's not even looking up. So what do you do? Put your staff down. You pull out your rod. One swift hit. You're not trying to beat your sheep into submission. One swift hit right on the head. And the whole idea behind that. They're laughing because they're nervous right now that I'm calling you to this. <laughs> the whole idea of it wasn't to harm the sheep. And this is really important because I know some of you are going, I don't want one of those guys as my shepherd <laughs> if you're telling them to beat me with it. There's a principle you need to understand. Sometimes you need to be caused a lesser pain to save you from a greater pain. That's what the rod is all about. The rod is about causing a lesser pain to save them from a greater pain. And you know, falling off that cliff is a greater pain. One swift hit in the head, that's a lesser pain to save them from a greater pain. Here's the thing about sheep. Interesting. They, they didn't respond negatively when you would do one swift pop on the head. They would actually look up and turn to you, not run from you. Because they realize now you're trying to get their attention. Now, it always had to be done in love because sheep would know if the shepherd loved them or not. But when it's done in love, it'll get the, she- the sheep's attention. And you're going, okay, what does that look like? And you really want to know, what does that look like? Remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago, accountability. It's the gift everybody needs and no one wants because it hurts. There's going to be time God is going to entrust some of those sheep to you. And you're going to see them walking off in dangerous ways into harm's way. And you're going to have to speak a hard truth to them that is going to hurt them. But you're saying, I'm going to cause you a lesser pain to save you from a greater one. I'm pulling out the rod of correction right now, and I'm speaking a hard truth into you. But I'm doing it because I love you. And you've got to be willing to do so. One of the hardest roles of a shepherd is to use the rod of correction. But God is asking you to be man enough and woman enough to say, I'll do it because I love the sheep God has given to me. That's what it means. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. And that's what you're signing up for. So having heard that, I think it's time now for you guys to be commissioned. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you all to stand up and just come spread out over here with me. And I'm going to invite Chance and Carlos up here on stage with me because we're going to have a moment where we actually give each one of them a shepherd staff. It's going to look a little different, but it's going to be a reminder that you guys are willing to take this step to, I don't know if it matters the order. You guys just uh, get where you need to be. Fong, you got to get up here, man. You can't stay in the background. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask them four questions. And when I ask you these questions, if you agree to it, you're going to say, yes, I will. You're not saying we, collective. You're saying, yes, I will, because you're signing up to be a shepherd. It doesn't matter if it's three sheep, 30 sheep, 300 sheep. You're signing up to be a shepherd. And each one of these, if you agree to what I'm asking, you're going to say, yes, I will. But the last question, the most dangerous of all, is the one I'm going to ask individually to you, one by one. And if you say, yes, I will, then I'll hand you the shepherd staff. And you guys right now are witnesses to what they're committing to because they are doing this for you, to love on you and care for you. And so I want you to see what they're committing to. So all together for these first four, and they're watching your lips to see if you're saying this. I want you to say it loudly and boldly and confidently if you agree to it. But here's my first question. Will you claim responsibility for the sheep the Lord has entrusted to you? Yes. yes. Will you commit to pray regularly over the sheep and your flock? Yes. Remember, that's the dangerous spiritual warfare part, but it could be one of the most important things that you do. Third question. Will you commit to know your sheep and work to meet their needs whenever possible? Yes, sir. That's the counting part over and over to know them. How are they doing spiritually? What direction are they walking? You can't know they're wandering unless you know them. Fourth one. Will you feed your sheep and hold them accountable to constantly grow in their faith? Yes, sir. Remember, accountability will hurt them sometimes. But your love says I'm willing to do so because I love the sheep. Now, here's the last one. I want to do this individually, one by one. And here's my question I'm asking you and everyone is looking at you to see if you're going to answer yes or no. But take it seriously, here's the question. Will you promise to fight harder for the well-being of your sheep than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Here you go. Mark, will you promise to fight harder for every single one of the well-being of the sheep God has given to you than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Bernadette. God is entrusting sheep to you, and he's asking you, will you promise before Almighty God to fight harder for the well-being of your sheep than hell itself is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. Fong, God has given you sheep, and some of them have some hard situations. And I want to know, will you promise to fight harder for their well-being than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. Amanda, here's the question. God's given you sheep, and he's asking, will you promise before God and these witnesses to fight harder for the well-being of the sheep God gives to you than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. Rick, I don't know how many sheep God's going to give you. It doesn't matter the quantity. What matters is your willingness. Are you willing and promising to fight harder for the well-being of your sheep than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. Chris, I know God has put sheep under you. I prayed for you. I know God has a calling in your life to shepherd. Will you promise, no matter what the cost, no matter what it means, to fight harder for the well-being of your sheep than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. Karina, I want to know, however many sheep God gives you, will you promise to fight harder for the well-being of your sheep than Satan is fighting against them for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. One last one. Beverly, I remember the first time meeting you out there. I'm so glad to see you up here on the stage making this commitment. But here's my question for you. However, many sheep God gives you, will you promise to fight harder for their well being than the enemy is fighting for their harm? Yes, I will. Praise God. You guys have stood before them and now said your I wills, meaning they now know what you've agreed to. And so you're commissioned. Now I'm asking you to go and obey what you said before Almighty God. Let's give them a big old hand, can we? Thank you, guys. You go. Grab a seat. Listen, I wanted you to see that take place because, again, like I said before, I wanted you to know what they're agreeing to for you. But I also know there are some of you God is going to call to step up here on this stage at a different point and answer, yes, I will, to those same questions because God needs more shepherds in this church. He wants more shepherds in this church because he has more sheep that are not connected. So I pray you'll take it seriously. But there was one last thing I want to say to you, so I want to make sure I have your attention before we finish up. Here's the last thing I want to say. I want to remind you of what I said before. What you most need to thrive is the shalom of God. But here's what you need to understand. Those men and women holding those shepherd staffs, they cannot give you the shalom of God. All they can do is lead you back to the one who can give it to you, Jesus Christ. Their job is not to take Jesus' place. It's to direct you back to his pathway. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That word in Greek, I'm the way, that's the the pathway. That's the narrow pathway to Christ. Jesus says, it's me. That's how you get to the Father. That's how you get life. And their job is to steer you back to him. But here's the deal. You can know all about the good shepherd and still receive none of his blessings until you know the good shepherd. And there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. Jesus one day is going to say to all those who don't know him, depart from me, you evildoers, because I didn't know you. And they're going to say, but didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we go to church in your name? Didn't we serve the city in your name? Didn't we adopt children in your name? Didn't we mentor out in the schools in your name? And he's going to say, that may be true, but I never knew you. Depart from me. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. And my question is, do you know the good shepherd? One of the most dangerous things in your life can be to be around the good shepherd week after week after week and not know him. But all the blessings of God coming from knowing him and walking with him, they're found in the presence at the feet of Jesus. So I want you to be really honest with yourself. I'm gonna go back to the same question I asked at the beginning. Are you thriving right now? Are you living the abundant life? Be honest with yourself. If I were to ask you, just get alone with you and, and ask you point blank, would you say that your life is defined by fear or by faith? Which one would you have to answer? If you if would say, no, no, I'm filled with a peace of God, or no, I'm being honest, I'm filled with a lot of anxiety. I feel overwhelmed by life right now. Fear is gripping me, and I can't even explain it. Would you say that the Lord is my shepherd, I have no want, or would you say I'm driven by the next thing? I need to get that promotion. I need to buy that thing. I need to get that relationship. I need to have that child. I need to have whatever. Put it in Fill in that blank. I have needs that are driving me and exhausting me. Because here's what I want you to hear. If that's true of you, there is a chance the reason why you're so exhausted and so anxious and so afraid and so overwhelmed is because you don't know the good shepherd. And nothing will change in your life until you come into a relationship with him. Jesus invites you to himself. In Matthew chapter 11, he says one of the most incredible words of all. He says, come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. That word rest is the the ceasing of God, the shalom of God. I'll give you rest. What your soul needs. You don't need new circumstances. You need a, a peace of God that surpasses all circumstances. And that comes with knowing Jesus sitting at his feet. And the only way to know him is to admit you don't deserve him. You have to confess your brokenness your rebellion and your sin. Say, yeah, I've screwed up my life. I admit it. My problems are my cause. They're not my parents. They're not my children. Not my spouse. Not my boss. Not anybody's fault. They're my fault. I own my own sins. But Jesus, I believe you can forgive me and you can give me life, abundant life. And you turn to Jesus and say, save me. And Jesus always responds to that. Today can be the day where you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, where you invite the spirit of Christ inside of you and he leads you. And takes over and blesses you with abundant life. So if you're tired of being overwhelmed and anxious and afraid, tired of not living an overflowing abundant life, today may be the day where you find life in Christ. Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like a simple step of faith. A literal step of faith. In a moment, I'm going to have pastors who are going to be down front, prayer team members, and you're going to have a chance to slip out and walk down, take a literal step where you start walking. It just takes one the next one will come and the next one will come and the next one will come. And you're going to come down front and you're going to let us know I'm, I'm tired of being anxious and overwhelmed and afraid. I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. Every week we have this baptistry on stage and we have it ready because we want those who are ready to testify to their faith in Christ. It's a symbol. Remember I talked about the wedding ceremony. A wedding ceremony is beautiful because you'll see them put on rings that ring doesn't make a marriage. It's a symbol of their marriage, their connection point. That's what the baptistry is. It's a symbol that you are marrying the Lamb of God for salvation. You're saying, I'm dead and gone, the old me. There's a brand new me coming out who is joined together with Jesus Christ, my good shepherd. It's a symbol of you knowing him, not just knowing about him. And there are some of you today who may need to take that step of faith. I'm going to invite you in a moment to come down front, you don't have to have everything answered. You don't have to have everything figured out. You just have to have a willingness to be saved by Jesus. You'll come. What we'll do is we'll, we'll just slip out over here and we'll, we have counselors who are ready just to make sure you understand the message of the gospel. And if you're ready today, we have a t-shirt that you can change into. We have a whole bunch of different sizes. We have change room shorts you can put on. And before you leave the service today, you have a chance to testify to your faith in Christ. And today can be the brand new day for you. New life. Abundant life by a simple step of faith but I can't do it for you you've got to come in a moment I'm going to invite you before I do though I want to say this last thing I know there are some of you here you're believers in Jesus Christ you've taken that public stance you've, you've confessed your faith in Christ through baptism you believe in Jesus but you still have things that make you anxious or overwhelmed he's a good shepherd he wants you to, to have peace but you know how you have peace by taking your petitions and requests. It says with prayer and petition we let our requests be made known to God and then the peace of God which surpasses all understandings will guard our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. So if you want to leave here with peace today let your request be made known to God. We're going to have prayer team members who are ready to join hands with you and raise your request up to Almighty God so that the peace of God will surpass and overwhelm you. So if you need it you just got to come be prayed over. I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now if you will. I'm going to invite the prayer team members and staff to come forward. If you need prayer today, let your request be made known to God. I want to invite you to come. Or if today you're going, today is my day. I'm ready for new life in Christ Jesus. I'm ready to experience the overflowing, abundant life of God. I'm crazy enough to believe it can happen. Then I'm going to invite you to walk forward, let one of us know, so we can pray for you and help you take that step of faith. You respond as you need to today.